Awesome. Well, let's, uh, we'll just dive right into it. And um, Carl, we've got Carl Sanders uh, Edwards here on the podcast. Super excited uh, for our conversation today. Um, and just have developed a, a really great um, working relationship and friendship with you uh, over the last couple of years and fully resonate with your, your philosophy and the work you're doing in the space of leadership development and helping people uh, get better around the world. So I want to just dive right in with, uh, with the recent work you've been doing in uh, your startup, Adaption, which we, uh, we share some, some uh, overlap there <laughs> as I uh, work with the team. But um, I want to start there, uh, which just, you know, personally really, really resonate with, um, with the work that we're doing in the leadership development technology space and, um, and reinventing the way that people grow and develop and improve and develop the mindsets and skill sets that they need to be successful now and in the future. But I want to kind of just start there and have you back up a little bit and, and share what the inspiration has been for Adeption and for this most recent work that you've been up to. Thanks, Garrett, and, um, and great to be here. Now, it's a good question, and I'd love to answer it by saying it was a moment, a, you know, a eureka moment when I was in the shower and had this insight, and I was like, ah, <laughs> 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 what we need is adaption, and, uh, and it, we need some technology to help, uh, to help support the way that people grow and develop, but it's, that, would be, that would be me making up a, um, a story because it's been a, and I'll make this a quick, a quick background, but it's been a gradual layering of ongoing insights. And I think it's worth sharing that because I think that is actually the point of our work. We're not, we don't reinvent how people learn and develop. We're rediscovering. People learn and develop and always have learned and developed in the same way uh, right through history. We just have gone and tried to promote that and help that in a way um, especially in the last hundred or so years that I don't think is that human centered or that useful. And so what we're sort of trying to do is rediscover the way that humans actually improve, develop, increase their consciousness. And so the, the background from it came, I studied engineering. Uh, I was a mechanical engineer, deeply steeped in, in manufacturing. I was really lucky to work with Toyota. Uh, and the thing that struck me with Toyota was this idea of continuous improvement and constantly making change in order to transform. So transformations and performance happened because of lots and lots of continuous iterative change. And that continuous iterative change in the manufacturing philosophy of Toyota was pushed right down to the people doing the job. So it wasn't something that consultants or senior leaders and management did, it was something that everyone did. I was really inspired by it. It was like, it was, it was great. And that's what got me interested. And people as a result really developed as well. So it was a small town that I grew up in. There was a factory there. Lots of the people that had manual manufacturing jobs on that factory floor, when they got given responsibility to make change, they took it. And many of them ended up leaving that factory and having businesses or other really successful careers. So that was one, one element. Um, after a while, I joined a software consulting company and ended up getting very deep in software development right when Agile was hitting the software world, which mm. was a big shift. It was the company um, 
it was Accenture and it was moving from a waterfall-based methodology where you sort of spend six months doing requirements, and six months designing and then 12 months building and then you release some stuff and everyone goes, oh, sorry, we don't need that. <laughs> <laughs> it's been too long. <laughs> um, and, and so I was lucky enough to be right in the midst of this transformation within a very large company of, of moving to an agile development methodology, which was kind, which was in many, many ways, very similar, especially at a human psychology level to the Toyota production system or continuous improvement from manufacturing. It was making, having a big vision and, and knowing where you're going, but getting small groups of people with a lot of autonomy to um, make small iterative improvements, release those improvements, see how people respond and then do the next iteration. I'm like, it's the same thing. And again, as a result, there was no deliberate effort of development from a human um, leadership point of view, but people in those environments when they were working well really developed. And so that's kind of been the bedrock of, um, of the work that we're doing now with adeption is that if you get people, you can get people to think of their own development mental journey as a series of short sprints and short continuous improvement cycles rather than uh, a retreat once a year. It's something that you do at work all of the time in service of your work goals, not instead of your work goals. Um, and so we started doing that in a really manual way with workshops and getting people together and that worked, but it wasn't very scalable. Uh, and our insight was, hey, it's not actually us as facilitators. It's not the content that we're teaching people. It's just this process, this process of constantly examining what's important to me at the moment, taking a moment to reflect, getting some fresh new ideas that are uh, a bit colliding, but divergent from your current thinking, and then deliberately saying, in the next few weeks, I'm going to try and do this. Um, stay accountable to that with some social pressure around it and then reflect on what happened. They don't always work, but the sum of it is, is that you develop and move forward. And um, you can do that with software. So that's really what we're, um, what we're trying to do and that's where adeptions come from. So sorry it was no sort of <laughs> moment of inspiration three years ago. It's a 25-year story. But. <laughs> no, it's great. And I think I've, well, to that, even to your point on that, I think it's... Um, you know, it's a good indication. I think a lot of um, this work that we do in, in helping people be better and improve and you think about, you know, your own unique story and, and the unique story that everybody has um, personally and professionally, it's that it really is an iterative process. It's very um, rarely one peak moment or one flash of lightning or flash of genius. It's usually a, a series of little nuggets of inspiration and things that happen over time and, and it culminates eventually. But I, no, I think it's, um, I just think it's a great example of that. I loved um, your context on this work being a process of rediscovering the way people learn and develop rather than uh, even reinventing. Actually, I, cause I, I tend to use the word reinvention but I think your your frame on it rediscovering is actually really insightful because um, it is it is that process of looking back at at how have people been deliberately developmental personally and professionally in the past and how do you embed that um, now in our modern era? Um, so on that, I want to kind of dissect a little bit, um, and I think this is where the technology uh, can can really support this process, but. What do you what do you think has been kind of getting in the way of people 
learning in sort of those more um, deliberate ways. So, you know, you, you talked about that rediscovering of how we've mm-hmm. always learned, but in the last, you know, 50, 100 years, what's, what have been some of the barriers that have popped up that have, have shifted us away from that? Yeah, I mean, that's a really good question, Garrett. The barrier, I've got an opinion on it and the, what happened, but I think it was situationally correct. We just need to adjust now. Yep. So what happened was really broadly defined, the Industrial Revolution happened and humans started interacting the predominant amount of our interactions were with machines rather than with other humans. Um, and we, we created a very predictable world that was dominated by industries and uh, manufacturing, making things and doing things. Uh, rather than craftspeople, hunters and gatherers, uh, or people working in small, in small tribes where there was the predominant work of people was in a very complex, dynamic, changing environment. We, we, we moved from that pretty quickly into an environment where we spent all of our time in a factory doing the same thing, or all of our time in an office doing the same thing over and over and over again. Um, and so that, the, the best way to organize and, and keep people efficient doing that was where our hierarchical organizational structures came in. And from a learning and development point of view, we had situation where people were doing the same thing over and over again and prior knowledge was a really good predictor of future success so somebody with prior knowledge could literally teach somebody what they knew the step-by-step process and if somebody executed on that they'd do a good job so we had a entire learning kind of ecosystem develop around this idea of teaching people something that somebody else had worked out and mm. um, that worked it worked really well because you could go to a classroom or some sort of off out of work context, learn what needed to be done from somebody and then go and put it into place. And what you put into place was exactly what you'd learned. And so we sort of kept optimizing for this idea of experts or people with knowledge teaching the process that needed to be followed. And as long as you followed that, you got a good result. Um, so that's where this whole idea of content driven learning um, or prior knowledge driven learning came and it worked really, really, really well. So your question around what's the barrier that's sort of stopping us rediscovering how humans develop and and, uh, naturally get really good at things in a more complex environment or I'd say in the the environment that we're in now and certainly moving into. Um, what got, what's got in the way is just the last thing that worked really well. (laughs) So it's an issue. It's like an issue of momentum. Um, and I think this happens in lots and lots of systems all the time. What helps you and what succeeds for you in one context, in one stage of life or in one environment becomes your mode of operation, your go-to. And often that growth that that allows you puts you in another context and that very one thing can be the thing that holds you back. Um, and mm. I think at a real broad scale, that's the issue we've got. And it's, it's hard, you know, there's a lot of momentum. As you know, we come across it all the time. Like, mm. the first thing people say to us is like, what are you going to teach them? To take action, you know, yeah, exactly, yeah. To, to do the, to do the work. It's to so, learn, right? We're gonna teach to learn yeah. To, to, it's to learn the, it's almost, le- you know, learning the process of, of learning and being better and it's when you develop that pattern in that mental model you can then 
widely apply that to to all sorts of new skill sets and mindsets that you're going to need in the future. I think about the um, the quote you've shared, um, and I can't remember it verbatim, but it's the one by um, Yuval Noah Harari, uh, who's a sort of visionary thought leader in the, and futurist um, and best-selling author. But he's got that sort of focus in the, the quote about reinvention being a sort of a core competency for, um, for future success. And I think that part of this um, relearning and re sort of positioning our, our, mental model around how growth happens and how um, development happens is part of that because it's to your point, I mean, we're, we, we live in incredibly complex um, times now, but I think if we look, you know, even 10, 20, 30 years into the future, um, I think that that complexity is only going to increase. And so our ability to be able to adapt and, uh, learn new skills um, and continue to level up. Um, I think that process is going to be so important for people um, to really thrive in in a disrupted future. So, on that, how um, as you look at how adaptation is um, positioned with with technology and having this sort of rediscovered um, framework of how people grow and develop, what's what's your vision of how technology um, and adaption specifically helps support um, individuals and leaders um, develop this uh, sort of deliberately developmental mindset. Yeah, I mean, there's I think there's two elements to it, and just yeah, really good comments about where we're going. I think this idea of learning how to learn, or, or just rediscovering how to learn, or accelerating that um, is is a is a real core competency moving forward. And yep. the good news is, is I think it's a, it's a human competency. It's something that we're actually really good at. We've just mm. um, masked it for a while. Mm. And the only reason we masked it is because we got really successful and we did certain things. So I don't think it's necessarily that hard for us to rediscover it, but we have to deliberately do it. So the technology, I think, can help uh, somewhat ironically by um, making us less dependent on technology and elevating ourselves out of I love, there's a quote, I can't remember who said it, but you can't read the label from inside the can. Hmm. And so often we're inside the can of our lives and our work and we can't really see what's going on because we're just subject to it. We're just part of it. And so to really um, accelerate how we can develop ourselves and deal with this complexity and, and live more fulfilling, meaningful lives that have a better impact, we've got to be able to elevate out of the can and, and see the context that we're in for what it is. And most of the things that keep us in the can today is technology <laughs> traps us and it traps our, our attention. But those exact same mechanisms, I believe, can be turned around. And all of the things that we're getting so good at hooking and hijacking people's brains and short-circuiting their attention and getting us to buy things can also be used. The same techniques can be used to get us to stop, step back, get out of the can and actually look at our life and the work that we're doing for what it is. So I think that the technology, we can use technology um, somewhat ironically to make us get out of technology and um, <laughs> step back for 10 or 15 minutes a day and reflect on what's actually going on. And, um, and with that reflection and that clarity, be more deliberate about the next 
day in the next week or two um, and how we and how we act and live so that's one thing and then the other one is a little bit more I do believe that we can you know as people we're not very self-aware and I think technology can help um, augment or improve our self-awareness one of the ways that we you know the brain gets better with feedback we improve our intuition through experiences which is really a feedback loop you know something happened and um, we're always we're always taking feedback and cues from the environment so if we can in a, in a not an overload way but in a targeted way provide more feedback to people um, then that can really help and if there's a great example around conversations like this um, we're often cognitively overloaded in a situation we're trying to pay attention to lots and lots of different things and we're just not aware that maybe we're talking too much it could be me right now <laughs> no, <laughs> there's, there's, you know there's some great technologies that can just highlight that to you and it's like a really loving partner standing beside you who at a dinner table will you know will you know give you an elbow and say carl quiet you're talking too much <laughs> and, you know i may have been a bit excited and that makes me a better person getting that nudge from that um <laughs> from from somebody sometimes and you know you can create space for other people i believe technology can help us by doing similar things getting us those little nudges and improving our self-awareness and sort of saying um in the moment i think it's a good example you're talking too much your, your team's got some ideas let them speak yeah. up and then at least you've got the opportunity to go no it's important i keep talking or wow that's a good point i just wasn't aware of it pause yeah yeah i love I love that sort of perspective on it. Get, you know, technology and leveraging the, the adaption platform in particular to be that mechanism um, and leveraging a lot to your point, leveraging a lot of the capabilities of um, some of the technology that, that actually causes people to be stuck in it, but leveraging that in a positive way to get them outside of the can uh, to use your your um, your metaphor there, to to be able to reflect and and take sort of stock of where you're at and um, and gaining higher levels of self awareness and um, you know it almost pushing people to to find that clarity and really discover what are the kind of key actions and things that they need to do to be able to move forward and be more effective. Um, so it's cool to, to see the interplay between the two of those, uh, that sort of highlights one of the things that, that you've mentioned before, um, is sort of this concept of, um, of the, the yoga teachers and I think it was data scientists or something <laughs> like that. What's the, I can't remember the other one exactly, but dive into that a little bit because I think that's a, de I, sort of a debate, um, that I've just observed, you know, it's basically two perspectives on, um, you know, how, uh, technology and sort of the world of work is going to evolve. And I think one side is it's going to be, and in our le leadership development space too, one side sort of it's all tech and that's, you know, that's it. And then the other side is we need more sort of human centered, um, kind of reflective type of experiences that are outside of, technology. And so we're going to have this big focus on that. Um, but you have an interesting, I think, sort of middle perspective, which my, you know, my estimation, I think is going to be pretty spot on with where we're headed. So tell, just tell me a little bit about that. No, thanks. Um, thanks, Gary. Yeah. So the, the, we set up this debate quite often where you can sort of say, what's the future of, of leadership development? You could probably insert anything 
uh, other than leadership development? Will it be <laughs> technology fueled or human uh, yeah, unplugged fueled? And people will have will debate for a long time that. And uh, it's 2017. You can look at various things, but fastest growing job areas. Uh, and it's a broad categorization where we're, we're fastest growing sort of as far as numbers and pay and, and demand were broadly categorized by data scientists and yoga teachers. Um, <laughs> I thought sort of Amazon buying Whole Foods is a good sort of counter to that same analogy, heart and science. You, know, you need to really connect with, with people and um, provide care uh, in a very untechnology way. At the same time, you can get enormous efficiencies and uh, enormous, a great way of delivery mechanisms through technology and automation and doing things really well. So the future, I think, of leadership development is, the, is an end. So the middle ground is it's, it's more of both. You know, I think we need to go deep in technology to keep upgrade, help keep upgrading ourselves at a, at a rapid pace. And one of the roles of the technology will be to get us to unplug and really connect with ourselves as humans and, and increase our level of consciousness and self-awareness. One of the measures that, and it's a really bizarre measure to try and have for a tech, what is fundamentally a tech firm, is um, we don't want people too engaged with the technology. <laughs> we prompt people to plan a mindful action and one of the regular ones that people plan wow. to try as an experiment for themselves for a few weeks is to get off social media or do less emails <laughs> and so we use technology to, to help create that space where you can look at what you're actually doing and make a deliberate decision about it rather than just be part of it and so i think that's a wonderful example of the end um the you know we can we can really help do the work of what a really um, caring mentor or coach would do um, in a far more scalable accessible way Mm. And, um, I could go on and on and on about about the end, but you know you can have insights and breakthroughs when you're in nature and completely unplugged. But then often to help really execute on those and stay accountable to them, uh, technology can help. Really can. Yeah, I love and I love that. It's sort of that you know it gets you out of the can clarity, but then it can bring you back as that just as a, a you know a, a live coach would do, um, someone who's you know, coaching or mentoring is going to hold you accountable and, um, and give you a nudge in the right direction and give you insights and inspirations on, on different ideas and actions and perspectives. And so, no, I, I love that, um, perspective. What's one of the, um, I guess, you know, it could be, uh, just even in, in recent times, but what's been one of the kind of key insights you've had as, as, I mean, you're a, you're, you're one of the super users of the technology, <laughs> which is great. Um, uh, you know, I think as it should be, but what's been, you know, one of your recent, um, insights, um, that you've had that, that you feel like the, the platform and the technology, but the, so this whole process of being deliberately developmental has helped you get better at, at one of the areas you're focusing on. Yeah. It's a, I just thought of this just this morning. The, one of the, and I was, I was using, using um, the platform myself on my commute just to sort of get out of the can. And what struck me was how much context changes things and how there is 
very few things that are absolute. So the way that you, the, the context that you're in and the way that you frame something really changes the experience you have. So the example was um, some, a piece of content that I was recommended on Adeption that I looked at that I had previously written five or six years ago. So it was, it was kind of something that I felt like I knew intimately. Yeah. But because I'd been asked a few questions about my current situation, so I'd heightened my awareness, I kind of got out of the can. And then I saw this piece of content that unlocked an entirely new dimension of meaning for me. Um, it was like getting whacked over the head with a bit of 4 by 2 um, And it was as if I'd never seen that bit of information before even though I'd read it, I'd written it, I should say. So the insight was, is that, you know, we can, it's very easy to get arrogant about what we know. Um, and just because we know something doesn't mean it's valuable to us or it has any meaning to us. Things, as our context shift, we often need to rediscover things that we did know. And all of a sudden we can go, ah, that's the key that I've been looking for. That unlocks my situation and now I can move on. Um, so just because we knew something in the past uh, doesn't mean that, we're using that knowledge today. Uh, and so the insiders of using the technology is just being prompted through those questions to get aware and then re-looking at something once I've been primed in a different way. It really gave a breakthrough, a personal breakthrough, which is um, wouldn't have happened if I hadn't been doing that. And it just makes me think of how often that story must be repeated across millions of people. You know, we're just blundering on in situations. Um, and making mistake after mistake after mistake and it would only take us a few minutes potentially to reconnect with something that we learned or knew 10 15 years ago and we'd be off to the races so cool yeah that little context shift you know perspective change can be a, a game changer when you've got the same you know you have the same content or ideas or insights but it's when it's wrapped in the context of the situation you're in and, and that's where pretty big breakthrough can happen. So I yeah. love that as an example. Um, I want to shift gears just a bit. Um, so in the sort of with this frame um, and your work with adeption and, um, and previously your work as a sort of a serial entrepreneur who's done some really cool stuff around the world. Um, part of my hope as you know, is, uh, is that this uh, podcast and show would be um an inspiration also to, to next generation uh, leaders who are coming up. And so as someone who's done some really cool work around the world and you're leading edge in your field, um, as you kind of reflect on your life and your career up until this point, what, um, what is sort of the, the single best piece of advice you would give to your 18 year old self? Um, <laughs> uh, I love no this. Pressure. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you, I, thanks for asking this one before, Garrett, because I did th I did think about it. And you'd said five words, which is great, because yep. otherwise I would have come up with five hundred. Um, <laughs> you, can, you, can you can elaborate on the five words. Uh, part. Yeah. <laughs> what I put was I I put find love, write your script. Find love, write your script. Wow. And um, I can unpack that a touch. Yeah, unpack it. Yeah, you know, the, the find love, the this this the the most significant thing um, that's happened in in my life is you know is is finding real, true, deep love, um, particularly in in my wife, my partner, the person that I, the person that I married, uh, but also just in what I do 
and um, and the and the people around me because with that it just provides. I mentioned before you can get so much more feedback and, and improve yourself in such a different way. It's like literally one plus one equals three. But if you've got people around you that really love you, then it's like one plus one plus one plus one equals a hundred. And, um, and it's not just people. It's also the things that you do and what you find joy in. And um, I feel like I've been really lucky to have found both those parts of love and, and really leaned into them too and made them important. Not important enough, I don't think it's finished work, <laughs> but you know, it's, and it's work, you know, it's, it's a verb, it's something, it's something you do, it's not something you have. And, um, and write your script is, is really a theme that we've been talking about. It's so easy just to fall into unconscious decisions about what you do with your life and where you're going. And um, I so easily could have ended up in one single railroad throughout my entire career. And in many accounts, you know, by many, many measures, I would have been viewed as successful. I'm just so glad I didn't. I'm so glad that I stepped out and wrote different scripts. And some of them really didn't work from a, um, from a, uh, maybe somebody looking in measuring um, by what way that we measure a lot of success in society. But they worked enormously because I learned so much and I grew so much character because of them. Mm. And so, uh, yeah, I think writing your own script and, and not living necessarily just unconsciously living the life that others expect of you. And I think it's less, it's even less sinister than that. I don't think anyone else is out trying to control you, but we're just in a, um, a system, a broad system and a mechanism that if you're not careful, you'll just conform. And you know you'll be um, like a poor farm animal that just goes through a process and generates money, spends it, and that's your life. And I think we can expect so much more of ourselves. Ah, oh, speaking my language, um, <laughs> so profound. I think you should. Um, that's one of the, you should frame that or something and have that <laughs> around. I think it's super. Um, just profound and wise advice like for and I think for anybody at any stage in their career can adopt this it's it's you know it's you can shift and you can pivot and you can learn to um, you know to lead and to live in a new way Um, but I think particularly for young people as well um, the earlier you can have that mindset um, I think the just the better off, the better off you're going to be in terms of just living a life that's really, you know, truly fulfilling to you and how you're gifted and the skill you bring to the world and the relationships that you uh, cultivate in all those different areas. So I love that um, insight. What do you just digging into that a little bit more? What um, how how have you sort of adopted the the write your script part? Like how did you I guess, break out of the traditional sort of model of success or go a different path. I'm, I'm just curious about that. Yeah, it was really helped by, I think the two interact by some of the people around me. Um, so one of the, one of the biggest ways of doing, of doing that is I'm quite conscientious and um, sort of, Earlier, I was pretty conservative, so, uh, but I always had underneath that this entrepreneurial buck. I liked creating, I liked making, um, and so I got 
a good degree and I got good job, good jobs and um, and I could have continued down that path, but I had a feeling that I was never really going to be able to sort of make something or create something be entrepreneurial. And there was this uh, sort of the conventional wisdom was do well, make some money, and then you know maybe in your forties or fifties you'll have the financial freedom to uh, to stop doing that and go and do your own business and create something. And mm. so I think the the biggest thing was was not waiting and um, and doing it early and not as early as what some people do. But you know I, I vividly remember uh, my wife and I travelled a lot, which was the first thing. So we we really broadened our horizons. We lived overseas and, and we um, and we travelled, and that was kind of a lot of people thought we were crazy for doing that. It's best thing ever. <laughs> um, <laughs> camping, living in a tent for six months, uh, literally was wow. one, was one of the most awesome experiences in, in my life. And then and then though after that, you know, there was a real danger because we got jobs again and we were living in the city and um, but in the, it had made plans for a business the whole time we were traveling and it really got, it had got under our skin. And after about six months back into the kind of job process, Em came home one day and said, I quit today and we're moving to the beach, you know, in a couple of weeks <laughs> <laughs> and, and starting this beach and starting this, um, this business and you, you better be noticing tomorrow. <laughs> and I'm like, really? <laughs> so that's, yeah, and that really took things on a different arc. We, we like to sort of say that we had our retirement business at the beach before we turned 30 and uh, it was no retirement, believe me. <laughs> <laughs> Worked harder than ever before and yeah. unlocked a whole lot of other different things and still um, can't imagine retiring and it, it certainly wasn't sort of just like taking it easy at the beach, but that was, yeah, that's, I guess that's an example of writing, writing your own script and it's easy. Mm. It tells a nice story in hindsight, but right in the middle of it, you know, full of doubt and you're yeah. full of insecurity, <laughs> even all this comfort. And in some ways that's kind of like a good time to act. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Love that story. I it just, I think it's so, um, I mean, it's inspiring. I think the, the boldness to be able to take a leap and to, um, it to go to, you know, to be confident in going a different path and to write your script is just something that's super profound. And to your point too, you're, it doesn't mean it was all easy sailing and it was a ton of work and you learned a ton. Um, but what an incredible um, journey that you've, you've been on and I'm super stoked to, um, to be part of the journey going forward and, and see how it continues to evolve. So um, my final question just, just before uh, you do that, one, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, got to, I've got to say that you know you're doing the same thing right now. So that that inspiration and um, it, it goes both ways, and because I know that um, you're making similar decisions and doing similar things, and it's just it's just so cool to see. And that's kind of like, um, yeah, I think that's that's what we we need a lot of. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that, and I um I've I've got a great network of um, mentors. You're you're one of those that um, are part of the process and and support in the journey. So um, so thanks for that. Um, the the final question um, is sort of centered back just on the the theme of the show itself, and that is as you look um, to kind of where you're at now and look to your your future. Um, what is the cause you want to bring about in the world? Yeah. 
That's a, a great question. It's a really hard question too, Garrett. Uh, <laughs> I sort of, I broke it into two very interrelated things when I think about the cause. There's, on one side is just a really personal thing. I mean, I'm the only one responsible for my life and the experience that I have in this world. And so, yeah, I want to be able to um, live a life from, from here on, forget what's happened, um, from here on that leaves the world in a better place. I'm, I feel deeply passionate about the environment uh, that we that we live in and, and looking after that, and I think there's a lot of work to do. And I'm also kind of humble about how much impact I can have, but at the bare minimum, I don't want to make it any worse. Uh, and I want to continue to have lots of experiences that are unique and I can reflect back on uh, when my time's done and, and, and feel like I've shared those with others and, and just had a, had a good, rich life. We sort of, my wife and I talk about it as be able to bore our grandchildren with lots of stories. <laughs> um, and maybe that's caused, you know, that the, the grandchildren are going to be rolling their eyes. But yeah. and very tightly related to that is what we've been talking about is this, this professional one and what I think I can have a lot of le leverage with. And it's you know, getting narrow. It's around leadership development. Um, I think that a lot of what the leadership development world does at the moment is really, really inspiring and really good. Uh, it's just so not getting to enough people. Mm. Uh, the work that we do in our field can really elevate how people see themselves and their relationships with other people and their relationships with their organizations in this world and can help them make far smarter decisions. Not all those decisions are right, but just I think on, on net and on average, it really helps. The problem is, is it's getting to the mere fraction of people who could benefit from it. We can develop and improve. Um, it takes a bit of effort, it's worth it, and um, professionally I think that millions and millions more people should benefit from the work that our field does, and that's the course that you know, I've really dedicated myself to and have been dedicated myself to, is just making it vastly more accessible or democratised, however you want to put it, but um, there's, some, there's some really good stuff and it's just, uh, it would be nice for people to benefit from it. So cool. Love that um, epic journey you're on. So keep on uh, crushing it. And thanks. Um, just thanks so much for being on the show. It's been awesome having you, Carl. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Thanks, Garrett. Yeah, you bet. Cheers.